0: those who are listening uh yeah sorry i know it's been a while um you know life happens and jesse and i have had a pretty rough winter are we already in april holy crap we're in april like that's (laughs) obscene and um like we flew through and by mansplain march and actually who we have here today was somebody who is supposed to be with us but for mansplain march but again you know life happens for all of us so we're happy now to have on with us Jeremy Kaufman and you know I wish I want you to be the next senator from New Hampshire and we'll get into that but um <laughs> either way we're so happy to have you.
1: It's it's great to be here with you. I'm glad that I, I didn't have to explain that it's not March. So I
0: guess <laughs> we were yeah. letting them that down.
1: Was, <laughs> uh, but that was on me uh, just to be clear for all listeners. Uh, Maddie was being very polite, uh, but that was me. I'm the reason that uh, I was not on the show several weeks ago. So no that's totally worries. me, but I'm glad to be here. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. Uh, you know, running, I'm running for Senate in New Hampshire. I'm, I'm very involved in the Free State Project. And I'm just, uh, you know, um, very into into Liberty generally. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing it professionally. I'm doing it in a, in a bunch of different ways. So, you know, I'll kind of let you guys talk about what you want to talk about.
0: Awesome. Fun. It, yeah, exactly. It's not play March anymore. So uh, we get to run the show. That's right. <laughs> um,
1: and that one, that one month where the uh, the patriarchy that, you know, just March is the one time men get to be in charge. So yes. it was a nice month, but now we're back. We're to back normal.
0: to <laughs> women run the world, or at least, uh, you know, we run this podcast, but, (laughs) but also had tip to the men that obviously produce our podcast because God knows I couldn't do it. (laughs) So, um, I guess just like as a preface and there's probably people listening to our podcast that know you and then uh, tons of other people that might not. And, um, you know, I first, caught on to who you were because I realized you were a fun person to follow on Twitter. And then, (laughs) you know, so I was like, all right, I'm following that guy. Like he says things that he probably shouldn't say, but that's why it's like awesome that somebody's saying it and it's him. So I was like, okay, I'm following this guy. Let's uh, buckle up. And this is fun. Um, this is a fun ride. And then of course, like I only know about anything current and technologically advanced from, um, stuff I hear from our podcast uh, producers, Ryan and Cam. Again, hat tip. Thanks, guys. And so, you know, I kept seeing your name actually, like, come up in conversation. And I'm like, I, I follow that guy on Twitter. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, like, he started talking about, like, this really cool technology that you were responsible for. And I still can't honestly explain to anyone um or to (laughs) myself uh what it is but so for anybody listening who doesn't already know jeremy coffin he invented this like awesome technology that i'm gonna have to have you mansplain even though it's not yeah
1: (laughs) well i'll say that by admitting that you don't understand it, you're ahead of a lot of people (laughs) uh, because a lot of people think they understand things they don't understand and so you know True enlightenment comes from uh, recognizing what we don't understand. So you know, mm-hmm. don't sell yourself short. But <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called uh, LBRY Library, uh, which is an open source, uh, blockchain based publishing protocol. But that's like a nerdy sentence that means <laughs> that we've we've created a technology that kind of does to publishing what what Bitcoin does to money. Uh, where where the key properties there are, uh, you get to own your online identity. You don't have these people in the middle. In the case of Bitcoin, it would be banks or financial institutions. In the case of digital publishing, it would be companies like YouTube. We've gotten them out of the way, and so we're doing it in this way where you, as a publisher, or you as uh, as an as a consumer as a viewer, have a lot more control. Um. It's used by uh, over 40 million people each month. Mm. The most common way that people use it is through a website called Odyssey, uh, mm-hmm. odyse com, And it's very easy to use. So despite the, the kind of nerdy things that we're talking about, you know, my mom has no problem using Odyssey, uh, <laughs> nor does my father, you know, not to be sexist about it. Um, <laughs> not, you know, neither of them are computer wizards, but... Uh, yeah, they have no problem using Odyssey. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I think my four-year-old could use Odyssey. Um, so I, it's, it's, although I don't let him, to be clear. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, mainly because we don't have all the age filtering and stuff like that yet. Um, one day, I, I do, we do want to do all that. But anyway, it's very easy to use. It's very user-friendly. And, you know, you go on there, you'll find all of these creators that either uh, you have never heard of before that you like, or I think a m- even more common experiences. I knew that that creator, what happened to them? And the answer is, you know, they started saying things that YouTube didn't like. And, uh, you know, they got buried by the algorithm. So all of our stuff is transparent. It's open the way that we run things. It's a much fairer way of doing things. And uh, it's it's fun, too. You know, it's just it's, it's fun. So uh, I recommend everyone check out Odyssey, create an account and, and you know, follow some creators on there. Mm mm-hmm. I believe we have shows,
2: our episodes are on Odyssey right now. So yep.
0: and yeah. I think again, like we use it. Definitely credit to our producers because they were ahead of that idea before we would have thought of it from you know what we heard and experienced. And exactly mm-hmm. like what you said, like some people that used to be really big on YouTube, uh, James Corbett, for example, and just anybody honestly, like who kind of gets censored or really discouraged by youtube for producing their content on youtube so jesse and i you know we're talking to jeremy with a video we get to see each other sorry guys um nobody else gets to enjoy this but you know we don't live stream on youtube and even though technically we put our stuff on youtube it's really only default like there's nothing too exciting about it but you know Because Jesse and I have, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that Jesse and I have been absolutely as controversial as can be over the past two years regarding COVID because of, Mm -hmm. you know, just our experiences and our background. But YouTube definitely doesn't like anybody telling the truth on YouTube. So our stuff's been on Odyssey before YouTube probably even had the idea or thought to find our content and cancel it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it sounds like you have some – very very intelligent producers i suspect <laughs> they're incredibly attractive people too just you know super hands. they definitely think so yeah <laughs> but uh, I, I, but you know look the, the the thing is and certainly censorship on youtube is a problem but um you know in the same way that like we don't need to like bitcoin just because we want to do, you know, criminal activity, and not that censored content is criminal. I'm not trying to make that analogy either. But this idea of having more control over our online lives, this idea of not being spied on, of being able to make choices for ourselves, you know, all these things, it's not just about content that's being censored. I agree that con- this uh, content censorship is a problem. But you know, if you look at the content that's on Odyssey, it's not just the content that's being censored. I mean, there are. Um, I think we're at well, we're at over a million creators. We're at something like 20 million videos, and 98, 99 percent of it is not at risk on YouTube. It's just mm-hmm. you know people who want to have more control over their publishing experience, people who are tired tired of being exploited, you know, by big tech. This kind of thing. So I just wanted to say that that it's not because because you know some of these sites because there mm-hmm. are sites, and I don't want to like drag other people competing with YouTube because they're all allies as far as I'm concerned. But like some of them, it's like just the stuff that gets banned, which isn't really what I wanna be consuming either. You know, uh, I I think it shouldn't be getting banned, but I'm not looking to only consume the stuff that's getting banned, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we have a a really diverse set of of content that you can find. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that's a good point. And then I think like what is also important to mention and that you would explain maybe obviously better is that like those alternative or youtube competitors are very much using the same sort of technology and they're i think a lot more vulnerable to various like entire site cancellations or again i don't know all the terminology but like their entire servers are basically like what you've produced with your technology is to kind of prevent and protect the, you know, rumble.com, for example, I don't know anything about it other than a lot of, you know, people that get banned from YouTube or, you know, hey, hanging out on Rumble for whatever reason. Um, it's just like popping up as like an alternative um, mm-hmm. site where a lot of content is being posted. And so, but I think, you know, from what I understand, Rumble is just at much, as much at risk of eventually being kind of like, swiped as some of the others. Do mm-hmm. I understand? Like, how does that work?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do think that that's true. And so like we kind of moved beyond de-platforming to sort of de-infrastructuring, or maybe there's some better word for this, where it's not even the creators being removed, but uh, the entire the entire app platform. Um, is attempt to be you know, scrubbed by the internet because the infrastructure providers or the various, you know, companies that that make these websites possible won't work with them. And we saw that with Parlor mm-hmm. and we've seen it with some other, um, you know, with some other places. And so I, I think that that is true, that Rumble is more vulnerable to those things. But I actually think that there is something else that can go wrong that's even more likely because rumble can be resilient to those kinds of things just being truthful like they can be careful with their vendors or they can use a mix Mm -hmm. of vendors or they can even roll their own as they get bigger they can start doing more and more things themselves they can literally buy the servers you know this kind of thing but i think what's more important is that the the kind of corruption that can happen from success you know youtube and google used to be way better companies. I mean, if mm-hmm. you asked me a decade ago what I thought about Google, I would have given you a very enthusiastic review. Uh, so maybe there's some enlightened listeners who are, who are onto it early, but like I, I loved Google a decade ago, I did. and And so, you know, what we saw was that a company that used to be one of the good guys, you know, that was like fighting book publishers to keep scans of books online, you know, that was, you know, fighting authoritarian governments to make information available and all these things. And what we saw is, as they got more and more successful, they became one of the bad guys. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's always dangerous to trust a company or even to trust a person because that person might not remain in charge of the company. And so, our approach has been to do everything in a way where, you know, I could get taken over by some sort of evil brain worm or like you know we could all die in a car accident or like you know terrible things and and it's still very resilient because the code is open source so there's no there's no trapping there's this ability to actually own and control things that's fundamentally different from the traditional way of doing things and Rumble even though they're they're alt tech or whatever you want to call it they're doing things the same way and and this is one like I think Rumble is alt tech and I think we're tech. I think we're doing things in a way that's genuinely different from what's come before. And that will lead us, uh, you know, to kind of supplant um, what's, you know, what's currently winning. And so I think that's really important is that like in our, in, in, in the case of rumble and I'm not, I, I'm not saying the people in charge currently are bad people or anything. Yeah. I think everything I've seen is they're good people, but that's not a guarantee. Whereas in our case, we, we can offer a much stronger guarantee because of the open source nature the free to build nature and the fact that it's not, you're not trapped in one website. You know, on Rumble, you create an account, that account is Rumbles, it's in Rumbles database. Mm-hmm. When you create a channel on library, that is your channel. And if you have the private key to that channel, oh. we can't delete it, we can't take it offline. And that's just way different than anything that's come before.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that's really, okay, that's connecting the dots for me like, I still don't understand Bitcoin at all, honestly. And Ryan's gonna, my producer's gonna shake his head because it's like, how many times has, have I tried to like <laughs> follow the Bitcoin conversation? But um, so, but what I do know is that, you know, a person who buys Bitcoin, they have like a key to their wallet, and only they have it. And so it's really like impenetrable really, other than that key. And so is that kind of like the same concept you're saying? libraries technology produces but with this content and these channels for producers
1: yeah that's precisely correct and and so you're yes. you're kind of um <laughs> feeling that you understand it more than you uh more than you say and 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 that and it's the properties that are important right a lot of people understand the properties of bitcoin very few people understand the way that bitcoin produces those properties um so don't feel bad about that yeah. understanding really <laughs> of that and it's the properties that are important. You know, most people don't understand how their car works, but they understand the properties. You know, you turn the well, you don't turn the key anymore. You press the button, but uh, you know, you, mm-hmm. you press the button and you press the pedal, and the car goes. And it's like, well, what's everything inside there doing? Like, I don't know, you know, but I, I understand what it does. And so, you know, and I think that's what's important is that the properties of this system, you know, offer you the ability to have a level of control and a level of ownership that's really unprecedented. Mhm that's, that's going like, to be needed in the future for yeah. for sure.
0: I was going to say that's like peak libertarian principle or something that like we want. <laughs> we are almost like painfully desperate for our problems to be our own even though like our shitty problems might be really shitty problems that we decide that we should solve them for ourselves instead of putting them off onto somebody else like a worthless honestly evil manipulative wasteful all the negative connotations that come with like the state and the government, we've got them all. Like, that's the, that's the nice thing about libertarians is that all the bad things that the Democrats could say about the government and all the bad things that the Republicans can say about the government. We all like, those are like, that's our Venn diagram of like
2: these people suck.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they definitely suck. I agree with another person. It's crazy. It's so but
2: it bad. also, it also just seems like anytime you have like any kind of like you were saying, like a centralized anything, not just government, but like a corporation mm-hmm. or a business, it, it can easily devolve to, you know, one person making a decision for everyone. And that leads to, you know, it leads to censorship in a
1: sense, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, power is very corrupting. It It mm-hmm. changes people who have it, it changes the way they think about things, it changes their approach. And our, our design here is to, is to kind of tie our own hands in advance. And, and you see this like, you know, and this is something I'm not 100% sure where I'm at on all of this, but like, I find it plausible that even at the big tech companies, even at, at Facebook or Twitter, like, you know, if you look at what happened with Jack, and Jack, I, I, I'm not gonna say he's 100% a good guy, but it seems like also, in, in, in some cases, it gets out of even the control of the people who are running the companies. Like mm-hmm. I think in the case of both Twitter and Facebook, and I'm not wholly excusing the CEOs, I think they've done some very bad things, but I think in both cases, like more censorship ended up happening than even they would have wanted, um, yeah. and, you know? Um, and so I think that's something to really consider is like, you know, once there is a source of power everyone chases after it governments chase after it powerful individuals chase after it powerful businesses chase after it and and you know so social media has become so important that mm-hmm. controlling what can and cannot be said on social media you know everyone wants that power everyone wants that influence and so to have a design where it's fundamentally harder to do that kind of thing bordering on impossible i try to not use the word impossible because i can think of some very creative things that people could do but it's very very hard uh, much harder than any system we've ever seen before and I, I you know and i i've got i think that's part of the solution is because you're making it impossible to do these kinds of things rather than relying on an individual or even the free market uh, although mm-hmm. I guess we're part of the free market. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm very pro free markets, but you know, it's, it's like, you're not relying on you. You're doing things in this more fundamental way that doesn't require the same trust that's been required previously. And I think that's, yeah, that's. Yeah, definitely.
0: So I know you've probably got things in the works that you can't talk about. And this is sort of like where I'm getting from uh, when I just listened to you on, um, with Thaddeus Russell on unregistered. And so I know like one of the ways you said that libraries is able to make money or be profitable is that you know you've got some other like kind of things in motion and um, I guess like ways to use this technology. and so people investors I imagine, would be interested in doing that. And so so at this moment, like are the ways to kind of use this technology you've created like I think you mentioned some kind of Bitcoin or digital currency exchange and then Odyssey.
1: Odyssey is the easiest way to use it. Odyssey is one of the ways that my company has the ability to make money. Um, Odyssey offers features that are not part of the core protocol, that are monetized, that work in some... So like, you know, you can pay with a credit card on Odyssey and tip a creator or uh, soon... To, um, I believe it's... I don't know if it's launched quite yet, but it's, it's right around the corner from launching. You, you'll be able to do... Um, You'll be able to do Patreon-style subscriptions, this kind of thing. Um, But Mm. to be clear, this is not the decentralized, pure protocol stuff. And so that is the stuff that's branded library, like library desktop, that's pure protocol, that's pure decentralized, that's you're in control. And then we build stuff on top of it that might have these sort of added features that allow us to, to make money. And that's kind of Odyssey. And so the comparison I would make here is like, is, is coinbase okay. or things like this where hey coinbase is an easy yeah. way to buy Bitcoin but coinbase is a for-profit business and and the, and the Bitcoin protocol is kind of underneath it and so same mm-hmm. kind of thing here now Odyssey you can you know you can download your wallet you can exit you have control uh, but Odyssey does have um, can do some of the things that are traditional app or a website would do in, in terms of the ability to monetize. And so Odyssey is already making money. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's been growing very, very fast. Um, and so, you know, we think it's it's going to be a, a very large company one day. Good.
0: And mm-hmm. actually that's good news because I don't not that our Patreon's like booming. Um, but we currently use Patreon for lack thereof anything else really. Um, and we never We don't show our faces, so, like, how appealing and fun can rock pen be for (laughs) us? I don't know. Maybe we'll get there one day. Maybe when I quit my job. Um, And putting a pin in that. And then, but, you know, I'd much rather. You were were
1: promising that you were going to quit your job and move to New Hampshire, like, just before we (laughs) got going. Yeah.
0: I don't know if promise is the right word, but.
1: Oh, yeah, I made that word.
0: i'm convinced i'm (laughs) convincible, maybe um but i was gonna say like i'd much rather use odyssey or something that odyssey ends up producing as a um like a patreon sort of subscription style Mm -hmm. avenue because even though like i said jesse and i don't really make money doing this you know some people thank you everybody who is a patron um but you know i'd rather if we were to do that i'd rather use a company or support a person that honestly i'd like better than patreon
1: yeah definitely yeah they're kind of a bad company i mean i i don't i'm not shaming anyone using them yeah um, no. you, it you know, just. but yeah they're
0: what it is it,
1: and it's crazy i mean it's a crazy thing to me how how um i mean everything's just become so political everything i mean tech's an example uh, of mm-hmm. it but everything has become Political—it's like the political, the politicization of everything. It's seeped into everything, and and so many of these big tech companies, you know, you look at their, uh, you know, how the people that work at the companies donate, and they might as well be a teachers' union. You know, it's yeah. it's ninety six percent, ninety eight percent, you know, Democrats. And even if you're a Democrat, uh, but it's like you're not—that's an echo chamber. You know, that's not a space where yeah. you're going to get. Um, policies that are, are fair and balanced because everyone's kind of thinking one way, which is a huge mistake.
0: And it's archaic really like there's nothing, mm-hmm. new, there's nothing new under the sun, um, but there's really nothing new in the democratic party. <laughs> no, well, I
1: think it's interesting the way, like, like there's some sort of force that's like causing things to become Homogenized because Google wasn't this way. Even teachers, like you, if you look at teachers' unions, you know how they donated in the nineteen eighties. You know it, it wasn't that ninety nine percent of teachers were Democrats. And now it's like if you're not a Democrat, you don't become a teacher. Mm. And similarly, if you're if you're if you're a computer engineer who's a Libertarian or a conservative you, or a Republican or whatever, you're not going to go work at Google. You're just not going to because you mm-hmm. know that, that that this is a company that's become so ideological. I mean, we have a, a contributor um, to, to our codebases who's like, he was an ex-senior guy at Google and not even an employee of the company. And he just got so fed up by what was happening at Google. And he comes and he applies all his knowledge, you know, to contribute to our code bases. And we're not even paying it, you know, and just because he's so, well, we, I mean, we do try to, you know, um, give give him some cryptocurrency. So, give him some cryptocurrency and so on but he came on and just started contributing because it's open source it's open source means anyone can contribute it's permissionless so that Mm -hmm. he didn't need to get our permission he could read all the source code and he just started submitting changes he said well what if you change this what if you change that and i started being like i was like this guy's you know submitting some really good stuff who is this guy and it turned out he was a, a senior software engineer at google uh, on YouTube specifically, not yeah. just that Google. On YouTube specifically. Wow. And 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 um, he ended up quitting YouTube, and uh, and I, this last part I shouldn't say because I'm trying to shell New Hampshire, but he bought a farm in Tennessee. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm and, from and, Tennessee. Awesome. <laughs> and said, "I'm done. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. done. I don't want to be at Google anymore." Wow. I mean, I can't blame him for moving to Tennessee at all.
0: (laughs) We've considered Tennessee, like not seriously, but my sister did go to um, UT Knoxville and Tennessee is nice. Um, Mm. But uh, that. okay, I really appreciate and enjoy that story. That's nice to hear. Yeah, Um, there's people out there and that's, you know, people who are drastically changing their lives, their careers finding something that's more suitable to their preferred lifestyles, like changing their lives entirely. um, And, you know, using their principles as a guiding light to do so. And God, that's awesome. So relevant. um, Let's maybe switch over to the fact that you're Mr. Big Promoter for the Free State Project these days, including um, your, tell me about how you decided to like run for Senator. Cause I uh, would've seen them coming.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I do need to work on a better story, but the truth is <laughs> they, the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, which I'm not involved in running, I help out on social media somewhat, but like there's a whole group of great people who are involved in running the party. I'm not one of them. Uh, and they approached me and said we'd like to you know we'd like you to run for senate and then i had a bunch of objections and they slowly diffused them uh, and that's the that's, that's the <laughs> truth of uh, that's the truth of why i'm running why i'm running and, and 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 you know so um and it's all them you know like i'm obviously involved in the campaign as a candidate but like i'm i'm not doing a tenth of the total work I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a bunch of people here who are really, you know, who really want the campaign to happen and want the campaign to be successful. And I obviously want those things, uh, too. I want to make a difference. I think we have a real chance to share to change the conversation, to to be making the state of New Hampshire and potentially even the country, uh, you know, more free, uh, because Mm -hmm. I do believe you can do that. Um, And this is I mean, I think this is one of the reasons to be optimistic. One of the as 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 many downsides as there are to social media, you know, one of the things it shows us is that one person, a small number of people, can make a difference. If you look mm-hmm. at what's going on with the libs of TikTok uh, account, which isn't yeah. even my politics one hundred percent, I'm you know, but I think they certainly share some interesting videos. And it's like that's one person. One person changed the conversation by doing that, right? And so. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire hopes that we can do through this campaign is that we can change the conversation. And so we put out the first ad, uh, which has gotten a couple hundred thousand uh, views. Uh, it's <laughs> called The Gay
2: War? <laughs> War is
1: Gay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: And uh, we have a next video coming out, uh, which I don't know the exact title of, but it's, it's going to be um, it's basically me uh, campaigning as a lizard person,
0: oh, uh, awesome. uh,
1: you know, <laughs> okay, I, basically that I'm a uh-huh. lizard person and I want to be with the rest of my lizard people. And it's, you know, it's just funny. It's, it's, <laughs> you describe, honestly, if I had described the Warren's gay video, people would have thought it was cringy, but then they watched it and they liked it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so ignore the description of the video. It's coming out in a week or two and you'll be able to see it. And I mean, this is one of the things that, that, you know, we want to be able to do, I mean, because I, I was so one of the reasons I got involved in the Libertarian Party again, um, because truthfully, in New Hampshire, like, there's not that much interest in the Libertarian Party. There's several hundred people in LPNH and New Hampshire has on a per capita basis, more Libertarian Party members than any state in the country. Um, but in terms of the politics here, I mean, the Libertarians have taken over the Republican Party. The republican party of new hampshire is a libertarian party the the campaign that like you know you've got people i'd say about half the republicans in the republican party are as or more libertarian than gary johnson is and so like you know it's like (laughs) that that really squeezed out the space for the libertarian party of new hampshire to be operating when you've got uh, Republican Party that's that libertarian, and I'm not pro Republican across the board. I, you know, in Pen- when I lived in Pennsylvania, I never voted for a Republican once. You know, uh, the entire time I lived there. Um, but in New Hampshire, the Republicans are really they're pretty libertarian, and this is objective. It's backed up by this group called the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that grades every rep. It's like, this is not me just making this up. There's a ton of data very very there's a ton of libertarian autism that's been applied to you know tracking (laughs) and measuring this and it's like it's a very real thing but um i forget where i was going with this oh well i mean i guess basically that like you know there are so many committed libertarians in new hampshire and we were really frustrated to see the libertarian party you know kind of being very lukewarm if if you could even call them warm on some of the most important issues of the day Yes. And so that actually reinvigorated people uh to to get uh, you know to get involved and that's definitely part of our campaign as well it's like you know i I see it as a chance like you know let's try to do libertarian messaging you know the way that we wish it ha- you know it had been done um instead of um, you know trying to to sort of copy the status quo which is what i kind of felt like they were doing so
0: yeah they thought they were being the more reasonable of the th- or you know out of the bunch of crazies especially in 2016 with uh Gary Johnson's like pointless honestly pointless effort um to run as a alternative candidate and um Joe Johnson I think that was as forgettable as can be too Mm -hmm. Um, yeah right yeah exactly the point um (laughs) like not inspiring
1: yeah And it's funny because, like, realistically, like Joe is probably more libertarian than Gary, like in terms of her actual uh, positions. But both of them struggled to really be a compelling candidate, especially Joe. Um, uh, You know, I think Gary at times had his had his moments, but he also, you know, struggled, you know, struggled to go all the way and (laughs) struggled to really have you know an active base either. So, I mean, I would really like to see a libertarian come that can be. Uh, an effective communicator that can activate the base. And they can also, you know, there, there's a way of doing things where you kind of like, you don't allow them to ignore you. Uh, and I really want to see a candidate that can do that, you know, rather than, than coming in with credentials like Gary did. And I support, I, I, look, if they have credentials, that's cool. I'm not yeah, against credentials. Right. But like expecting the credentials alone to like get you that. Because the truth is, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. you know gary had credentials but it didn't get him on the debate stage it didn't get him you know fair coverage from the press it didn't get him the kinds of things that it's supposed to get him
2: whereas mm-hmm. if you have a
1: candidate who really understands social media who really understands how to do messaging you know they can bypass the press entirely uh, that's one of the things that's possible now that only became possible in the last five years and mm-hmm. so I really want to see a candidate who can do that uh, because that's, you know, that's really where the power is, is you can bypass the press entirely and you don't have to depend on them.
2: Yeah.
0: Which is ideal because those people are, as we know, the enemy of the people.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. and like, wasn't it? Jon Stewart's show is failing. Like all these people who were, I guess, respected at one point in time for giving us the news. I mean, I know Jon Stewart was a comedian, but, you know, now these people are like CNN is losing their viewership. It's becoming pretty clear that the mainstream media is falling apart. So it's time for something else.
1: Yeah, it's been something to see. It's it's really it's it's what's unique about our our, our current <laughs> era. Um, and I think it dates back to you could date it back to like the Arab Spring or so on, like late 2000s. Um, and it's only accelerated through today where institutions have lost a lot of respect, mm-hmm. uh, the, the press institutions have lost, lost a lot of respect, even just trusted individuals, the experts have mm-hmm. lost a lot of respect. There's not the same deference that's granted to, towards um, people in the, in the professional uh, class and, and, and that could possibly be mm-hmm. that they've changed it could also be that social media has allowed behavior that was always going on to be exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure which of those two things, and maybe there's all explanations beyond that too, and feel free to share your own, but um, like it really has changed where, you know, pressing the uh, trust in the press is, is, is at an all time low, you know, where we see people who are supposed to be experts who are just, no one trusts them. And that's new, I think, uh, it in, is. in recent history, it's new.
2: I, I know like when I was in nursing school, um, we were told that we were going into the most trusted profession, you know, ever. And now, you know, I almost hesitate to tell people that I'm a nurse. Cause I'm afraid that they're going to like lump me into like a TikTok nurse type thing mm-hmm. or, you know, or who knows, but it. it Yeah. And that's one reason why me and Maddie don't show our faces because I mean, I've been, you know, I'm in a field where if I say what I truly think about what's been happening over the past two years, I could get fired (laughs) for talking about it publicly. Um, they've, They've tried to, they've tried to get me jabbed and I refuse. And I'm still, I wonder if that's going to come back and get me later. I don't know, but it's definitely a thing where I've seen a lot of people lose trust in their own doctors and nurses for two reasons. Like I've seen people lose trust in me because I didn't want to believe all the bullshit and I saw right through everything. And then there's some people that uh, on the other end that don't trust nurses because they're out there trying to push people to get vaccinated and just listen to Dr. Fauci, just wear your mask, just shut up and do what you're told. And it's it's just nothing much in between, really.
1: Yeah, it's, and, and this is, it's, yeah, it's, it's just all, it's very weird. I think, and I guess this is the downside of social media is the other side of it is, it's caused more and more tribalism all around, mm-hmm. and so it's caused you know minority preferences to get ganged up on to a degree mm-hmm. that you know that that I think is larger than it was before. Um, you know, we saw that with the treatment of people who aren't vaccinated. We're seeing it with the treatment of like like Wimbledon, like yeah. banned Russians from oh, competing at Yeah. It's like, what? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, because we're all, everyone's all hopped up on, on social media and we need to have a villain. We need to have a bad guy, you know, that we're mm-hmm. attacking at any given time. Um,
0: and one that they conveniently put in front of you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and and this is where I will say, like, and I am not, um, like, I don't think a lot, I think very little of it is, is planned by people who i think there are bad people who influence events who attempt to take advantage of them Mm -hmm. i don't question at all that there are bad and powerful people in the world there's plenty of them but i don't i where i do uh kind of disagree with at least some people and it's fine if we disagree whatever but like i don't think there's like some cabal that's planning things you know i think that i think like even if COVID was man-made, which I find plausible, like, I don't think there was a group of people that was like, you know, like, let's, let's release it and take advantage of it. I think there were powerful people who were like, we can, we have this agenda we want to enact. Let's take advantage of this thing that's happening. Absolutely. I think that totally happens. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily planned. Um, well, one here to, to jump around a little bit, like something else that I found interesting was we had the um the mask mandates get kicked off of the planes. Ooh, yeah, which is great, obviously. And but it's interesting, you know, you see all these people who were very excited about it. You know, people on the planes, you're cheering, people excited about it. You know, and I, I, to me, as a libertarian, I found it interesting because like i was already there and i was like finding ways to you know fight it in small ways you know not, you know not wearing my mask in airports you know at least making the flight attendant correct me a couple of times or at least sometimes flight attendants wouldn't i'm like oh this is a cool flight i've no one's gonna say anything to me you know and and it, and it, it, it was interesting to me and like there's all of these people out there who had a problem with it who were just like going along with it at the same that's time. the terrifying
2: yeah. Terrifying
1: part. Yeah. And I and I think that's very interesting because I don't think the amount of people who really wanted that strongly was that high a percentage. But they, you know, they're very they were very loud and they were very powerful. And I, I do think there's there's maybe a lesson for libertarians and I don't actually even know why I'm bring this up. So but it's
2: relevant. <laughs>
1: I found it interesting. No, it's great. Yeah, this
0: just happened too. So but you were
1: just saying about how like
2: it just takes one person. And I think that's the thing is that like, like I've always been that one person at work with that says what everybody's thinking. So like, that's kind of what you are, you know, by running as a Senator, you know, that you're going to, you might be saying something that a lot of people are thinking and they hear you saying it. So now they can feel more comfortable expressing it too. And that's yes. the, that's the thing.
1: That's definitely what we're lo- That's, I literally we talk about that in our internal chats all the time. And we're literally like, what are the issues where there is this undercurrent, even if it's only 10 to 20% of people? Because libertarians are 2%. So okay. if we can <laughs> find an issue where, where where 10% or 20% of people agree with us, but that position is not being represented. Those are specifically the things that we want to be looking for and amplifying. And even better if we can find one where there's forty or fifty percent, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but but I think there is all this. There's all this. Um, you know, our, our modern era, and again, downside of social media is like it really can punish. Uh, you know, disagreeing mm-hmm. uh, views, and so you have these people out there who do disagree, and they are being quiet about it, and you can see that around. There's stuff around gender. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we saw it around a bunch of COVID policy. I mean, I suspect we're probably seeing it around, uh, you know, Ukraine. And I I think we're going to continue to see this. And so I do think it's smart for libertarians to say, what are the things, what are the positions that aren't being publicly represented because people are scared to represent them? Mm -hmm. Um, and Because that can also get people to go in and vote for you, even if they don't publicly represent you. I think this was something that, um, and I had, a lot, I had a lot of problems with Trump, but I think that something that Trump was very good at uh, was he he did this well. Actually, is he would say things that you weren't supposed to say, but that a lot of Americans actually agreed with. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then when they go and when people go into the voting booth, <clears> they can vote for Trump. nothing's stopping them. You know, that's not that's not public. there you know, so so um, I think that's a smart thing to be looking for if this is the sort of current dynamic of things is find the things that where there is this undercurrent of support but it's not being said because of the social you know sort of harm that might come from saying it
0: i think uh exactly right on the trump thing it's like problems with him like before during and after his presidency aside like things he did bring to the conversation let people think or let people like go aha like he's totally right like um, especially when it came to like, I think the biggest and most important impact he had, especially on like his type of voter base was his sort of, like he was the peace candidate, you know, which is crazy because it's Donald Trump, like what? Um, you know, he's not Ron Paul. <laughs> yeah. and, he's not he's not even Rand Paul. But the fact yeah. also that like, you know, you could tell he listened to Rand Paul a bit and or at least more than probably anybody else would. Um, so I give him some credit for that. and. But so what he did there was he tapped into something that I think like you as a Libertarian, other candidates running that are trying to do the sort of bold thing where you're stepping out and trying to say like what is definitely the undercurrent, what like the working class, like normal American, average everyday citizen Mm -hmm. wants to hear because they feel it somewhere in their lives. Um, You know, I think there's a real advantage for Libertarians, especially like after like, we're emerging quote unquote from this covid nightmare we just had and you know i'm not at all thinking that it's completely over i think you know the fact that what's interesting is like here we are recording this and the mask the federal mask mandate for public transportation you know has been lifted and then it was deferred to the companies to kind of make their own decision and thankfully um these major airlines are making it optional which i can't wait to fly again and so as jesse said like she's always been the one person and i think you are like of that nature too jeremy i'm really good at like being person number two um (laughs) that's just my personality type and that's why jesse and i work well together because like you know she's the uh she's the type 8 the challenger and i'm you know, the uh, idealist perfectionist type one, and I'm just trying to, like, make sure I'm doing what I think is best, um, but also try to not get myself in too much trouble, Um, but so I think, like, there's a real opportunity here, because Republicans were crap in COVID times, like, they were absolutely garbage, and I think this is, there's plenty of, um disenchanted republican voters whether they're republicans or not but like people who would more likely vote r than d these people need to be talked to and even if it just like disrupts the system more than like what donald trump kind of did in 2016 like we i'm all for that we need that and because that's the only way like the conversations will change and we will see sort some sort of uh you know foot on the brake from this awful like crumbling empire around us Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and this is where well i mean i i on the whole so (laughs) i think trump was like not in terms of libertarian outcomes i don't think he was like he he, he grew the deficit he did a bunch of you know a bunch of stuff that wasn't libertarian but where i think he was very good was he did cause a number of people to wake up, Mm -hmm. myself included. Like I trusted, not like I was some like pro-New York Times shill in 2016, but I gave them way more credit. I gave the press way more credit than I I give them today where it's like, I basically assume that they're lying to me.
2: uh, and And I
1: would not have had that position prior to Trump, right? And I give Trump credit for exposing some of, of that behavior to me and and lots of other mm-hmm. other people i think that's very important to have people to be waking up and to be not trusting some of these institutions that they they previously mm-hmm. trusted and so on the whole i think that's a very positive effect even if i think his reputation sort of exceeded what he delivered like he didn't drain the swamp he left them all in place he listened to a bunch of them you know all of mm-hmm. this yeah. um but but in terms of exposing uh, the way that there are some very evil people out there and some very manipulative people out there. I, I think he did that to an unprecedented degree. And that was very valuable, uh, to have done that. Um, but on the whole, I'm very skeptical of there being some kind of libertarian moment. I think it's nice to believe in. If it happens, I promise I will. I, I won't be on the sidelines. I will be there. <laughs> I will be rushing ahead. But I just think that we've seen the state grow larger in basically incessantly for our entire lives. Historically, it predates that. And I just do not think that at the national level, we're going to see this be reversed. Um, I think there are enough libertarians in the world and in the United States that like, we could have And by the way libertarian and voluntary i know they don't mean exactly the same thing but i think they're broadly overlapping so if if you you know feel free to push back against that but you know um I, i you know i think that um i think there's enough of us out there and that if we concentrate our efforts more then we really can win um and you know it's one of the reasons i'm very optimistic about new hampshire is like we actually are shrinking the state here we actually are we're literally driving terrible people out of the state
0: good good
1: <laughs> bad politi- yeah bad politicians are leaving bad people are leaving we're developing a reputation as a really libertarian state and I, and as that continues to accelerate you know i think there is it is feasible whether it's literal secession whether it's threatening secession whether it's what jeff deist would call soft secession which is sort of like nullification um Mm -hmm. like i think it's viable and and i think that as libertarians even if it's not the free state project there are millions of us in the world there are millions of us and like Mm -hmm. to start adapting that mindset of like we deserve a homeland we deserve to have a place. We do. We deserve not in the sense that we deserve it, in the sense, like, give it to me. Like, yeah. I'm not suggesting, like, yeah. we we'll pay for it, right? Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Not plenty of money. Um, yeah. But you know, we, we but we deserve it in the sense that, like, that is, it's justice to allow it, And I feel this way, by the way, about communists. There are millions of communists. Like, communists deserve some space to try their communism. Oh, I yeah, think they will fail. I'm all about that. Yeah. About it? yeah, so so I think that like, I, I really want libertarian, even if libertarians don't go all in on the Free State Project, although I strongly encourage you to visit and check it out because you might change your mind or you might just learn some things, but just to be adapting that mindset of like, let's stop thinking we're going to persuade all of our neighbors because there's a lot of evidence that says that's not going to happen. Yep, and yeah. to start thinking about the fact that, man, there are millions of us, how can we unite more? How can we have a homeland for ourselves? Maybe it's seasteading, maybe it's special economic zones. I don't know, you know, um, um, but like at least to be think, like, stop doing things that don't work, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I think it's just going to take like a multi-pronged approach because, you know, I think it's going to take some people running for offices and just getting their uh, message out there through that. It's going to take people who are more creative to write screenplays or books or movies and get their message out through that. And, you know, just whatever it takes, I think that's what it's going to, it's going to have to be some a multi-pronged approach because we, I think we've been trying to do it in one way and it's just not, it's not been very effective. And I, and I'm tired of hearing, like one of the things I see a lot of, libertarians or anarchists do, is they like to criticize other people for running for office or doing their approach their way. And I feel like it's just like that, why why would you like get another, pe- another person's way? Like, just let them do, like, aren't we, don't we believe in people having free will? Like, just let them do it their way and see if it works or not. Like, do you you don't have to comment on it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that like as a, as a startup guy, like libertarians have been failing for a really long time in terms of accomplishing yeah. their objectives. Yeah. And it's like the last thing that you should do is have any confidence that you know how to make this thing happen. <laughs> and it's one of the things that's so frustrating to see libertarian uh, libertarian party members be critical of other efforts. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, we should really have if if you believe now, I'm very skeptical of of persuasion, generally speaking. (laughs) But if you still have this belief that we can somehow persuade the country to be libertarian, you better have some humility about Mm -hmm. how we accomplish that. Because there is no evidence that anyone knows how to do it. The best we've seen in in our lifetimes is Ron Paul. And Mm -hmm. and and I love Ron Paul. Huge inspiration to me. He got to about ten to twenty percent of one party was mm-hmm. was what was what, what was what was the most persuasive libertarian that we've ever seen. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and so maybe there's someone out there who can five x uh, the success of Ron Paul. I I hope that person exists, but we might also have to face the fact that like it's not realistic to persuade people into being libertarians. Um, that maybe yeah. that's just not going to happen,
2: uh, at least just, not in
1: the majority sense.
2: Uh, yeah, I would just love for people just to think, just stop listening and just complying and just like question things and think for yourself. Like I've noticed over the past couple years how how people will fight you to, you know, when you ask them to just think about something, they will, they want to fight you so that they don't have to think.
1: Right. But OK. And I completely agree with the, what the phenomenon you're describing, <laughs> but I think this is human nature. I think libertarians, not all of them, but almost all of them have a human nature that's like a little bit different from the average person. And, and it, tying it back to my comment about the mass, how there were all these people who didn't like them. They all sat there quietly and went along with it. They didn't have a problem with that. And they you know, and like that's the majority position among humans is they go along to get along they're not they, they're not independently minded they're the opposite of that and they may have some preference inside of themselves but they are very good at sublimating it to what is expected or desired of them from the people around them and this is why uh, you know charismatic charismatic psychopaths can cause a, <laughs> cause genocides yeah. to happen and why all of these crazy things have happened throughout human history is like the that is the predominant way that human beings are, is they're, they're not going to buck the trend. They're going to go along with what's expected. They're going to go along with their culture. And this is why you, if, if you the average person, if they were born in a communist society, would be a communist. If they're born in a democratic socialist society, it'd be a democratic socialist, and so on and so forth. If they're born in a libertarian society, they'd be a libertarian, right? But you can't rationally argue that person in a one-on-one conversation into being a libertarian because their views are determined by the consensus of what's around them. And so you could give that person the best arguments and you could even, that person could leave the conversation and be like, I'm really persuaded. Your ideas are really good. I like libertarianism. And then they turn on their TV and they talk to their coworkers and they're mm-hmm. pressed right back into yeah. believing what's expected and it's not going to stick. And like, and and this is something that, you know, and to me, that's just reality. Where you go from here, complicated question. But I, I think that's the way that, yeah. that, that people work. I think it will, this sounds kind of bad, but
2: I think it will weed itself out because the people that don't, I guess the people that don't value human life or don't even value other people's freedoms, like they're going to create a reality for themselves where they kind of take themselves out of gene pool eventually. So I think- you know a lot because a lot of them choose not to have kids they choose to have abortions you know typically if they do get pregnant and um yeah so they i think eventually they're not going to be a problem but that will probably be way past my lifetime
1: well i'm i'm trying to get it done while i'm still alive you know that's one of my yeah. goals um so well i mean that's part of why i think that the free state approach does work is like because we're all very loud right and so you know even if we're only one percent of the population which is what we're we're about one percent of the population right now in new hampshire um maybe more if you count all libertarians but about one percent free staters and Mm -hmm. it's like but you know if we're if we're if we're the people who are loud who, who dig our heels in, et cetera. And, and and we're always posting on every town Facebook group and always, post, you know, then those people who are the go along to get along, they start drifting towards mm-hmm. our position. Yeah. And it's part of how you have this minority, this loud minority is able to get what they want because a lot of people go along with whoever's allowed. And so it's not about, it's not about your arguments being the best, <laughs> You know, wow. it's about it's about creating this kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, superficial consensus, um, a, you know, around certain positions, and then all of a sudden these people drift to your positions.
2: Yeah, but yeah, it's got to be it's got to be something that's appealing, and I think yeah, it just depends. That's why I think think it's got to have to be a multi pronged approach. You can't just go at it and from one direction, because if the libertarians are going to go at it from one direction. It's going to be the most autistic direction, you know, and it's just not appealing to 99% of the population.
1: Right, right. You can't argue anything, really. If we were all like, Hey, you're on poop. (laughs) Like, you know, there's no, there's not an amount of people that, but if there's something around a lot of like politics stuff, you know, people don't. People can't even think. You know, people don't understand economics. People don't understand yeah. COVID. You know, people mm-hmm. don't understand these things. And 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 so you know, they're not that they're not going to come to their positions by like logically thinking it all. No, yeah. I
2: mean, people who got vaccinated and still got sick, yeah. they still want to get vaccinated. Like they're still thankful they got vaccinated. That shows you how we'll logic. Line up
0: and we'll line up for more.
2: People don't. We're at. We just you know, most human beings don't, they don't behave on logic. That's not how they, yeah. That's just not how they work.
0: Yeah. So um, I want to come visit New Hampshire. Um, What's funny is like my husband's done a lot more traveling throughout the country than I ever have. And so he's been to New Hampshire and I mentioned New Hampshire, you know, it's like, they've got this thing called the free state project. They're trying to, you know, actually change it and make it more, um free again and you know live up to its live free or die reputation he's like yeah there's a bunch of hippies there (laughs) and i'm like well you know like i'm a little bit of a hippie um there's a difference between like commune hippies and like libertarian-esque sort of hippies that Mm -hmm. you know um live and let live but we go to work and you know we shower and you know um i wish i didn't pay taxes but i guess i pay taxes um, for now. (laughs) Um, I'm ready for some, you know, revolting in that sense. Who's with me? Um, But yeah, so I guess like people, I know you've said it already here and you say it elsewhere, but like people should really come check out New Hampshire and a visit is worth it. And you don't have to move immediately there, but like go visit. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Look, we have the densest network of libertarians in the world um we have we've also been selecting for libertarians who like really want to be active and involved although i totally encourage a libertarian who wants to not be active to come here as well you're all welcome (laughs) but yeah i mean we have i mean we have a regular weekly meetup in manchester which is a town of a hundred thousand people that gets a hundred people out every every day of the week uh, once a week Uh, i mean we have 40 free staters in the, the uh, state legislature, including the house majority leader. And these are, you know, Ron Paul libertarians. These aren't, I mean, they're more libertarian than Gary Johnson, as I was saying, like these aren't like lukewarm. These, are, these guys are all the way. Um, we have these community centers. Um, they're like private clubhouses uh, where there's, there's four of them now in the state. You pay a small monthly fee, uh, and then they also have open events, and I mean, they have mar- we have these things called market days, which are like agorist, you know, trading centers where you can go and and buy things for cryptocurrency, and no one's going to tell the government what you're doing. Oh, I mean, you know, nice. it, it's it's it's
0: beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's something that like it's really and there's and there's all there's institutions that have been built up, and so it's like everything from like if you want to be elected you know, we have a whole political machine that will get you elected. If you want to be an agorist dropout, there's a whole network of those people. I mean, so there's everything. It's the whole spectrum. And there's something from like uh, if you're raising kids, I mean, uh, I'm not going to say New Hampshire was perfect on COVID, but no state was perfect on COVID. I mean, Florida closed their borders. Uh, uh, you know, New Hampshire wasn't a, a, one of the top five best states on COVID, but every state sucked, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Even South Dakota was not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but my kids, all their, because all my friends are libertarians, all the their, you know, their peer group is libertarians. We all just kept hanging out. You know, it was like there wasn't a big ding to their lives that I think a lot of yes. other kids had. Uh, and so there's something to the fact there's something just socially about like, look, I go to the grocery store and almost every time I go to the grocery store, I see another car in the parking lot with a free stater sticker on it. And I'm like, even if I don't see them in the store or know who it was, They're there. it just feels, yeah. That, you know, and so it just feels really good in the sense that, you know, you're not mm-hmm. this, this, you know, you're not dominated to the same degree that you were elsewhere. And I wasn't, especially if you're not like, I wasn't part of a libertarian, I moved from Philadelphia. I wasn't part of a libertarian community in Philadelphia. There were libertarians in Philadelphia, so that's partially on me, but like, you know, I was basically biting my tongue all the time because um, I was around like either progressives or libertarian-ish, but not all, all the way tech people, you know? <laughs> and, and so um, there's something like psychologically to like, oh, I can just be myself. I don't have to hold mm. back. I don't have to, you know, guard the way I'm presenting my positions. Um, Yeah. And and it just feels, it's very psychologically freeing. It's nice. And so, I mean, I think, you know, you don't have to be convinced that you're going to move to come for a visit or to come for a vacation. Come to Porkfest. We're going to have 3,000 people at Porkfest this summer coming up at the end of June, Porkfest.com. I believe we've sold 2,900 tickets already. It's going to be a huge libertarian festival, but you can come up anytime. There's stuff happening all the time. There's a, you know, there's multiple comedy shows every month of the year. It's just nonstop. There's stuff that's happening. Um,
0: Awesome. I remember I followed Jeff Tucker a lot, like 2020, especially just because he was one of the few voices that was calling out the craziness. And then, you know, especially for like such a prominent libertarian voice, like he was one of the first and then only ones. A lot of people didn't catch on to all of it like especially because I, I give him a lot of credit because he was digging into the science and the numbers and the data and the history of the whole thing and like how it kind of did unfold like public policy wise um but so he his book was awesome by the way and the latest one liberty or lockdowns and so his um his art he did an article about like the turnout at pork fest during 2020 and like just just you know I didn't get to be there but just seeing his reporting of like how it was, I was just like, that's exactly how it needs to be, and it was so encouraging. And you know, that's maybe 365 days a year for you guys up there in New Hampshire, and that is really like <laughs> yeah. I'm here not- in Maryland, and it's awful.
1: Yeah. Oh, you gotta get out! That I you know, got so
0: bad. <laughs> It's like I'm in, you know, a rural county in Maryland and so actually when the mask mandates were coming back like our county resisted. It was one of the only ones that like was populated enough to think about um, reinstating mask mandates and all the counties around us did and we didn't. And I was really thankful for it. and I was going to ignore it anyway because fuck it at this point. But um and not that I didn't try to ignore it any other chance I had but Again, I'm you know maybe the number two person. So if I ever saw another, <laughs> if I saw one other face, I was like, I'm with that person. Like we're doing this, you sir that smiles without a mask on, I'm with you. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, uh, I need to come visit. I need to come visit.
1: Yeah, yeah, bring bring the husband or the family or you know bring uh, come just just come up and check it out. I mean I think that's the number one thing. It's like libertarians like to do all this research and i'm not against it but like it's you can just experience so much more by just coming into it. it's like if you're the kind of person who's like if you're at the level of libertarianism that you're like listening to libertarian podcasts and you care about it that much like you, <laughs> like you you don't just believe it but you're like living it. it's like come you you owe it to yourself to come to come check it out yeah. um it, you, it really is uh so and i i'm happy to help you plan a trip The Free State Project will help you plan a trip. Um, It's like a free travel agent service that we provide at fsp.org slash visit. Uh, You fill out a form, a woman named Chris Lopez will talk to you, she'll help you plan a trip. She'll figure out, because there's events throughout the year, maybe this one lines up better for you and your interests and she'll help you figure all that out.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I mean, like I'm the kind of person that only feels like I get to recharge at the annual Ron Paul lunch. (laughs) And they canceled that during covid, which is heartbreaking. Um, but like, that's the only time and technically I was at like Tom Woods 2000 and I used to be a little bit more engaged but COVID killed everything and my job and my life killed everything but um, you know, that recharge that psychological Effect that happens when you're with like-minded people, and that you're not—you know—you're not alone, and that you can just be as free and open as you want. And these people aren't gonna try and like burn you at the stake.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, as Jeffrey Tucker's article, you know, uh, said, uh, "Broadway closed, but Pork Fest stayed open." We ran Pork Fest in the summer of 2020 when that was an unpopular thing to do. Mm-hmm. We did only get around a thousand people instead of the usual. Over two thousand, and now three thousand. I think is the new number, uh, but yeah, we did it anyway, uh, and we didn't care. Um, I mean, because we're very committed. And and look, by the way, also, like I'm not, uh you know, if you were at risk from COVID, which some people were, mm-hmm. it may have been a smart call okay. for you to not come out in the summer of 2020. But that's what libertarianism is about: is to let let people make choices, yep. you know, for themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, like Jesse and I are both in the uh, medical field, she's the the nurse here. I'm literally just the one who happens to work on everybody's behalf and have a general understanding of biology and science. So we can understand that there were actual people at risk and actual harm that is coming from this illness. But our biggest thing from day one was that everybody's got their own risks, everybody's got their own values, Mm -hmm. values subjective. That's a big libertarian like sort of principle. We understand that everybody's going to make their own decisions based on what makes sense for their lives. And I, I think, you know, we're coming up on the end of uh, our hour or so. And I think like everything you just brought to our table today, uh, Jeremy fills that, fills that gap.
1: Yeah. So uh, I guess if people are interested in contacting me uh, or you can follow me on Twitter, it's my full name, Jeremy Kaufman. Uh, you can email me at jeremy at fsp.org as well. Uh, I'm also, if you haven't created your Odyssey account, you can follow me on there. My handle is K-A-U-F-F-J. And yeah, there's. I'm, I'm very available and I'm always interested in talking to Libertarians, uh, you know, meeting them, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So feel free to reach out to me.
0: No, we're definitely definitely yeah. happy to um, make your acquaintance and have this conversation. And um laugh laugh with you (laughs) like i said in the beginning i started following you because like you were making me laugh on twitter and um you know i think as libertarians a lot of us are way too serious and um maybe a little too autistic
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you can be both of those things and still joke for
0: sure sure. and that's what we need and that's i think you know what's gonna make us seem less like the weird kid um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the group um and so you know whatever way we can uh gain a little bit of popularity um i don't think there's anything wrong with that so um every uh, jesse is there anything else you wanted to say or ask jeremy
2: no i think we pretty much i think i've asked him what i need to okay yeah.
0: I guess one more, I think, pro-Odyssey library thing that I've heard you say, Jeremy, is that anybody who hasn't, like it's super easy and I Mm -hmm. haven't had to figure this out, but it sounds like even I could figure this out, that (laughs) if you have a YouTube account, you can just basically like boop, boop, boop and do something (laughs) with Odyssey and it like up your lids your entire channel history, right?
1: (laughs) That's right, yeah, if you have a YouTube (laughs) channel, you can bring everything (laughs) over, it's very easy. And similar to my argument for the free state project, it's like just dip your toe in the water. It's not this big commitment to yeah. dip your toe in the water. You know, you're, you're totally. not you're not quitting YouTube to go to Odyssey, create an account, and check it out. You know, you're not committed to moving to visit New Hampshire. Like, just come check it out. And um, anyway, um, I'm looking forward to our live episode at Pork Fest in a couple of months. Ooh, uh, we can cool. talk about that, right? That that's happening. We're doing the live <laughs> live episode and. Uh, <laughs> Dude, Tim Poole said he wanted to see you there. He, I don't know. He was, I guess he's a fan. We were, we were talking. About. Oh, that'd be
2: great. <laughs> that'd be cool. Uh, I wish that was true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there. He'll Tim be Poole. there. I'll put in a good word. The Whoa. thing
0: is like Tim Poole isn't that far from where I am. And I'm like, where the hell in West Virginia is he? And I know nobody who you can't tell me and I'll have to find out for myself eventually, but I'm like, dude, like that guy is within stone's throw of where I am. He has mm-hmm. to be. So hmm, we're all out there, right? We just got to find each other. And sometimes maybe, uh, you know, going to take a visit to New Hampshire might be an easy way to start doing it.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, Jeremy. Um, Listeners, Vixies, Vixens, all you all, thanks again for joining us and being patient as we, you know, figure our own lives out and get back to a more regular recording schedule. Um, You can find us as always on Twitter, on Instagram. That's where we're most uh, accessible to communicate. Um, Shoot us an email. Follow us on Odyssey because YouTube's unreliable, and you know how, you know what we talk about. So, um. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, what we got and we'll catch y'all next time. But in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary.